Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with Rich Klein, we're going to talk about the 99 Pacific baseball products. We had talked about 98. Mike Kramer, the CEO and founder of Pacific Trading Cards, is spreadsheets from back in the day with production numbers and distribution numbers. Fascinating. We wish we had contemporaneous stuff from Tops and Panini and Upper Deck, but these are competitive situations. But now this has been 22 years. Thanks, sponsors. Nothing against Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck that they don't want to reveal their uh, competitive information. I don't expect them to, but maybe in 22 years, we'll find out about them too. Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So again, a happy hobby family. Rich, uh, again, Mike Kramer, straight shooter, providing these uh, spreadsheets and printouts where we trust these numbers, and they are for all the products that the Pacific put out in baseball that year, other than their flagship, which was just the plain 99 Pacific. Thanks, Rich, for providing this, and we well, can we interact thank on Mike it. for sending and thank them you, to- Mike. Uh, like I said, I, I think these numbers are the real deal. He assured me they are the real deal. He's a straight shooter, so I think that when he says, so I'll just very quickly, these are the total production numbers, including the base cards as well as the insert cards and parallels, but the total number of cards, we don't have Pacific flagship, which I assume would be the highest but in kind of an alphabetical order, Aurora is 7 million cards, Crown Collection, 14 million, Crown Royale, 1.5 million, that's the, the lowest, Invincible, 3 million, Omega, 8 million, Paramount, 12 million, Prism, 3.3 million, 3.6 million for private stock, and 2.3 million for Revolution. Those actually are pretty similar to maybe what you and I both recall in terms of what we see when we're looking at well, that total in, in comes dollar up, boxes that, and things like that. That total comes up to just short of 55 total million cards. That's a lot of cards, but no, yet it's, it's not a lot for tops. I don't no. think it's a lot for Upper Deck or Panini anymore. Pacific was definitely a boutique producer, and yet in order to compete, they had to be innovative. They had to come up with different designs, and they were very creative in the brands they came up with. They had their own printing press, as we mentioned, and their own kind of wrappers, things they did to allow them to compete with the big boys. They were really not one of the big boys. And in today's world, I didn't realize this until we've talked about this. They also had one of the best things in the world, which was that small little retail store in front of the Pacific Trading Cards offices. It was actually real-life focus groups as to, hey, what's going to sell? And it's brilliant marketing, and they weren't really overstating it. They sold stuff at full price. They weren't discounting it in any way. But you could actually see real people buying real cards. Do you think uh, that's what Topps has in mind in Cooperstown with David Adams? I think for Tops, it's a great PR move. I think it's a good idea. I don't know that they're going to get as much information Mike Kramer did being right there where there was nothing lost in the translation. They could see what was going on. Here's the other thing. Collectors are more sophisticated today. They probably would be more interested, depending on what their price points are and all that, to do they buy base? Do they buy heritage? Do they buy triple threads? Do they buy Bowman? Because that's the prospect. Do they buy Bowman draft? I mean... There are so many more options that Topps has nowadays. Is Topps going to use that for some of their on-demand stuff? That's pretty interesting. They do Topps Now. Are you going to send your Topps Now cards to Cooperstown? Because that's supposed to only be printed to X quantity of the people who actually order them. They do Montgomery Club. They do 
special factory sets. Are they going to do a Hall of Fame special factory? There's a well, lot. I, 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 I don't blame them if they do a lot of experimenting. And what we're seeing with Pacific here is that each brand had its own flair or, or type of, of presentation in terms of where it was sold and the amount of serial numbering or, or color variations and different things. But we're seeing this. Just starting with the Crown Collection here, I'm seeing that even though the red parallels are four per box, but that's only in the treat, uh, which is essentially Walmart distribution, which is one of the major distributions, but it, it wasn't as much as hobby. And then the platinum cards were one per two boxes, but they were across all the different uh, distribution venues. When you add it all up, the reds are, are just as tough as the platinum blue ones. And that was shocking to me to see this. And you might even see less reds on the marketplace because they were retail. That's what I'm saying. But when you see them, you see a bunch of them because right. it's somebody that bought opened retail, opened a bunch of retail. But a lot of retail was opened by uninformed purchasers, whether it's red or not, they didn't care. An interesting point, Pacific, on all their things, they had a brand identity. You buy Pacific, the regular Pacific baseball cards or football cards or hockey cards, you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get. Right. Consistency Con across sports within those sub-brands. And there's something to be said for that. I know that when Tops used to come down every few months and meet with us, that was one of the things they stressed. Well, was, they were doing all the sports in those days. But they also stressed brand continuity. Yeah. I know, but you can enforce that continuity if you're doing it over more than one sport. Sure. And now they don't have the ability to do that. So it's once a year, and they've got to stay true to what it was last year. And I'm glad they're doing that. I totally agree with you. I think that's that's why. And because I know Fleer would sometimes complain, why are our cards so not priced as high as they should. If your FLIR showcase one year, FLIR showcase the next year, and showcase the third year, mm -hmm. and you're changing the name each year, nobody knows what your product is by the third year. Well, you've got row one, row two, row three. Then you got row zero, row one, row two, right. row three. And some of them are yes, serial numbers, some of them aren't. There's another column on uh, some of these spreadsheets that has extra. And those are the holdback sets for, I think, condition replacements or things like that. So basically, if somebody had got damaged cards or didn't get something they were supposed to get, I was visiting their headquarters there. It was not in the retail part. It was back in the that kind of quasi showroom warehouse distribution facility where they had some drawers where they had the replacement cards. I don't think I ever looked in there, but I, I did walk around their offices. Where they, they were, well, they were they done were, by a collector for collectors. They remind me a lot of our Beckett, especially our technical services or price guide area guys that were all individual of how we set up our little cubicles or offices. And it was the same general feeling whenever I went to Pacific compared to a lot of other places. And I don't think I ever went to the printing press, but I know I went to the retail store. I don't think I ever bought anything at the retail store, but. Okay, one more insight from uh, the Aurora product is that there were not just extra sets that were put back, but the extra sets that were set aside for replacement were not serial numbered in cases where the real cards in the packs were serial numbered. I mean, you can see you have if you have a one to ninety nine, you you can't do three different three out of ninety nines. You you just do one, but you only get ninety nine. But they print twenty extras in case I guess number three of ninety nine had gotten uh, you know damaged or something in the pack. If someone could prove that, and then they could send a replacement, which would not be serial numbered and. We got some of those. And because, because they didn't want to put we, them in the pack. We, don't want we, to take we were them. doing black and white photos for our annual guides, right. and a lot of our cards, or even the price guide section, they're black and white photos, so we don't need to have an actual serial number on the card to make the point. Where if you're doing right. full color, you have to have the serial number, but black and white, 
and it would pop, and it'd be obvious that it wasn't there. Okay, right. gotcha. The Crown Royale, I think, as we've been looking at this, it shows how scarce the Crown Royale. Even the base cards are a work of art with ornate. Uh, and if you think uh, about the Crown cutting. Royales, are so elegantly printed that makes they're like insert cards. Yeah. Yeah, no one would think that's a base card unless you knew. But I was pointing out that in the Kramer's Choice cards that they put in that, even box toppers, they had the first rainbows, I think. Yeah, isn't that pretty amazing that and without knowing to call them rainbows, Mike Kramer invented the rainbow were, concept? They, but they were metallic ink. In fact, you know, they probably haven't gotten as much credit as the PMGs and those kind of things, but they were similar in the sense that they were striped metallic inks and, and foil treatments that really popped. Well, maybe we need to do what's happened with the people who designed the PMGs and all that and bring them back to the hobby, too, and let them design some sets for some of these card companies. Yeah. Okay, we get to Invincible. The first thing I noticed is that these are three cards per pack, which is generally the mark of a more premium product. But And I'm not saying that... Well, I guess I am saying I think this is a mistake. When I look at the spreadsheet here, it is easier... There are more cards then of some of the insert sets than there are of the base cards. And that's, there's something wrong with that. There's, there's a lot wrong with that. And we see that in the dollar boxes. Because they're in the dollar box and they look, oh, this is a different design. This is an insert. Oh, it must be good because it's an insert. No, it's actually worse than a base card. And yet the base cards for Invincible, there really aren't that many. So, again, it flies against logic. Let's see. I, I think Omega, I'm showing only 8 million maybe. But I see a lot of those. The uh, Tony Gwynn. The Tony Gwynn thing. But what I always found interesting with that was I think that's every Pacific Trading Card employee mentioned on that. And if you look, it we, is... We know half of them. We know half of them. It is not a huge staff. It's a nice guy Hall of Fame. Yes. It's, <laughs> no. it's a nice guy Hall of Fame, but it's also a lean, mean, what people in business call a lean, mean machine. Here's the thing. You and I are looking at this the opposite way the leagues are looking at this. I'm looking at this as a resourceful, lean, as you are, resourceful, lean SWAT team. People that are really committed to uh, putting out great cards. I think the Players Association and Major League Baseball look at this and say, why are we dealing with these guys? They're not big enough to do what we need to get done. And in fact, I think what they did well, but their team had to be way smaller, way smaller than certainly in Tops or any of the uh, others of the day. I'm impressed. They had people there that were like in the early days of our company where people didn't say, hey, that's not my job. They said, hey, this needs to be done. I can do that. And I think that's exactly the culture they had. Paramount, I think, was a little bit lower end set. I see a lot of those. Well, what's interesting is 1999 is also the year after the great home run chase of McGuire and yeah. Sosa. And Ken Griffey Jr. cards were taking off too. And he's still a Seattle icon in 99. Right. So they're really getting a chance to... They should have been riding high. Yeah. I don't think they were. And here's one of the reasons. They got Paramount Baseball. It's wholesale's 96 cents. A box is 34.56. That's wholesale. Now, maybe it goes to 60 bucks uh, retail or something. Cases are under 700 bucks. That's the money they get, even though the retail market up 50%. But they have to make money when they sell it the first time. But what's interesting is I know Topps is doing a lot more cards, but the flagship Topps products weren't as overproduced either, weren't overpriced either in those days until maybe the last few years. But I remember I could go to Triple Cards and buy the brand new boxes of 45 or $50 five, six years ago. Yeah. So it took a while for the prices of the boxes to really get to where they are today. 
Okay, the, the uh, 99 PRISM set, the original PRISM with PRISM, had extensive serial numbering. Not all of Pacific sets, the sub-brand identities, involved serial numbering or rainbows, but the PRISM definitely did. And they're beautiful cards, but not... You know, they they about, really haven't caught on. They really Think about the, how many ugly Pacific cards really are there out there. Most of them are really well done. Well, they, they could be considered garish Yes. in some cases. But in most cases, they're because they're metallic. They were the first major die cutters, I think, of doing the palm trees and stuff like that. The Christmas ornaments. Who had that idea? I, I actually don't like it because I don't know what to do with the string. I have some with the string, some without the string. And then you got the little boxes, the little cubes. Another thing. Okay, private stock didn't like them. A little more of a premium product. Those small cards didn't didn't do well, it. I'm with, you, P, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not liking the smaller cards. It's amazing. I'm a numbers guy, but if you say the number two hundred and six, or say the number two oh six, it it connotes something different. Two oh six. Every company has used two oh six as imagery for a smaller tobacco sized card. And they don't do two oh five or two oh seven, it's always two oh six. They don't do the others, which are actually tougher, but uh any anyway, rates, and then Revolution, another one of a that's a three card. Revolution are beautiful cards. You just don't see them that much. They have the Shadow series. They're not appreciated partly. Mike, our apologies to you, but card companies that are now defunct, even if their brand lives on a little bit under a different name, they, those cards don't always get the respect. No, and I and think they deserve more respect. I, his cards definitely deserve more respect. Yeah. But anyway, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Pacific. Uh, small team that you were, many of whom we knew and appreciated because of their commitment to excellence. Uh, we're sorry that you're not there anymore. But again, thanks for the good work you did in 99 and uh, before and after as well. So thanks, Rich. Thanks, everybody. Be back again tomorrow.